All right, welcome back to the Mac Podcast, where we talk about entrepreneurship, business, and everything in real estate. Um, and we always challenge the conventional thinking in, you know, thinking unfollow the herd or unconventional thinking. And, you know, if you're tired of just following the same old advice that's given out there, um, you know, could be from your parents or grandparents, we're trying to give a perspective in business that is happening right now. Um, today I have someone on the channel that is, uh, has a similar story to me, you know, started from pretty much ground zero. Um, I can always, you know, uh, be thankful for someone else that's started from the bottom because it's, uh, it helps us all along our journey because no matter when you're going to start your journey, you know, you're going to be starting at the bottom and you're going to make that commitment to actually taking action on your big plan in your head or whatever you're going to do for a business. But this guy has created a cabinet company um, and it's taken from literally the bottom to now he's scaling it all the way up. I'm not even sure what revenues he's at now, but I know he's doing big things. I hear his name a lot more. I know a lot more businesses in a local level, even in a, you know, uh, you're spreading, you're spreading your wings now all over the region. So uh, Mark Swadworth, thank you Thanks for coming for on, me. man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we do, uh, Waterworks Woodshop uh, Incorporated is the business. Um, my father started it in 1991, um, started out as a hobby shop. Um, he was working at a commercial cabinet shop, um, Northern Woodwork out of Thief River Falls. He was in charge of the specialties department there. Um, started having some people ask for, for, um, residential cabinets at that point and kind of turned it away. But then he was also hog farming on the side and had some barns. Well, when he hung up hog farming, he's a very busy guy. So he decided, all right, well, I'm going to do something here still. So he decided he's going to start building some residential cabinets out of those barns after he retired the barn. So, um, then he started building up, uh, uh building cabinets out of those barns for people. Um, and the commercial cabinet shop he was at at the time, only did commercial cabinets. So people would call him up and say, uh, call up that commercial company and say, can I get, you know, a kitchen for my house? Well, we don't do that, but now we have an employee who does and they give him his number. So he started building up a small customer base and he continued doing that through nights, uh, evenings and, and weekends, I should say. Um, and wait, I, so your dad, my dad started had an employee that started it. No, my dad, oh. my dad was the employee. The employee. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. He, I just, he started the company at cool. the water sweatshop there. Yeah. Cool. Um, so then my brother, myself, my sister, we worked out there, um, started at seven years old myself, catching boards on the planer. You know how that is, um, you know, just <laughs> helping out any way that you possibly can. Um, he had grown it by the time I decided I was going to get very invested. It had been to probably, um, probably two or three part-time employees. Um, I know one guy that's still with us. He's, uh, he was a farmer who worked for us in the, in the winters when he wasn't farming. Um, just, you know, different people doing part-time stuff. And then when I was going to college, I didn't know what I was going to go for. I decided I was working in the shop in the evenings and decided this is what I like doing. Um, I want to pr pursue this basically. And he told me, he said, well, it probably won't work. Cabinets are a very tight margins. It's a very tough business. Um, if you're going to do this as your dad, I want you to have a degree to fall back on in case it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, do that and then I'll sell it to you. So I said, okay, well, so I, I immediately transferred from the university to the nearest tech school. I <clears throat> called up the tech school. I said, here's what's going on. I need a program for this. They were great to work with. Northland Community and Technical College was you know, locally here. Um, told them what I was doing. They actually had an old program that hadn't been done for years. It ended up being um, uh, Associates of Business Management, so two-year degrees in, in business, <laughs> which, you know, isn't real common. You made that up? Yes. Yep. Two-year degree in business I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. I was well, actually no. reading about that or on your stuff, and yeah. I was like, no way. Yeah. So that's the one neat thing I've, I've learned, not to get sidetracked, which I do a lot, but what will happen is with what I found out is if you ask people stuff, especially if it's something that you can offer without really, you know, bothering them, places and people want to help you, you know, always. And so if they can offer you something without any, you know, skin off their teeth, they're, they're gonna, you know, they, they want to help you. And so, you know, if they can take your money to, to you know, give you guidance and, and give you a degree, they want to. And, and that's what I did. I called them and they, I asked what they could do for me. And it was great. Like college, you know, without direction is, as you've said on here many times, is, tends to be wasteful. And I, I completely agree with that. Myself too, do I need a business degree to, to do what I'm doing? Absolutely not. Is it a good investment? 100%, in my opinion. My degree costed me $30,000, $40,000 at the most. I don't remember what it was even, I guess. But um, nowadays, I mean, that's not even a week of payroll. I mean, yeah. it's just, it just doesn't make any difference anymore. And so it's, it's just, 
the fact of the matter is like the connections that I made, some of my mentors that I still use to this day were, were made there. I learned, you know, the program they had me through was, was, you know, QuickBooks, which I use to this day, uh, business law, you know, um, uh, I took some drafting classes. They worked that in for me as well too, which I, you know, I still oversee all that at our, our company as well too. So the stuff that I learned was just extremely helpful to me. Um, the, <laughs> what, what I like about it is like, I'm not the lawyer for our company, but business law gave me a basic understanding of it. So when my lawyer is talking to me, I have basic understanding going into that. And it's developed over the years, the accounting. I don't do the accounting, but you hear about companies getting taken by their accountants you know, mm-hmm. often. Well, I have a basic understanding of it, having gone through two years of accounting now, that, that it shouldn't happen, of course. When we were growing a lot and starting to grow a lot, I had our, actually my professor from the college um, come out and set up our QuickBooks as it should be set up. And so, I mean, those connections are super valuable, mm-hmm. super valuable. So, Yeah, college is like the one thing that you can, uh, you know, it costs more money every year, but they can still provide the same amount of value or less. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's... But I like how you created your own degree because I've never even heard of that shit. And I should have did that. Yeah. No, it's, 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 you get out of it what you put into it, you know, and I've been attracted to business my entire life. I love business and... You know, when I found, I started out in natural resource management, which wasn't for me. It's what my brother went for and he had a good, good degree and a, and a good job after it. And I was following in his footsteps. It wasn't for me. Um, but once I found what I was going for, I, I, I loved it, you know, and, and if you can find that and if you're in it for the right things, you know, I mean, college is great, but if you're going there to waste your time, just go get paid to waste your time somewhere yeah. else. I mean, it's just, it's not nonsense to do that. Of course, to pay that much money to not know what you're going for, but um, yeah, so then after I, I got my degree, I actually I used while I was going to college to build up the business because I knew when I graduated, I needed to make a full-time go with this. Um, so I, I used that time while I was in college. I took about a three-quarter uh, full-time load there, um, and I spent my evenings um, working in the cabinet shop, and I spent as much time as I could building up our network of builders and, and customer base so that I could make it work for me as soon as I graduated. By the time that I graduated, I, I knew that I had to make it work. I had always hoped that, you know, 10 years in, I could have three full-time staff, maybe four time, full-time staff and do about a half million dollars in revenue. Because to me, that would be a, a decent full-time living and I could make that work. Um, about the second year in, we were doing double that, you know, so it mm-hmm. went a lot better than, than we had hoped, you know, so um it went well. Um, my father ended up quitting his day job shortly, you know, probably two or three years after I started um, working full time out there. Uh, he's been instrumental in it. What know. year was that? I would say 2013, 14, something like okay. that. Okay. I would guess right about the same time we started doing our first projects through you guys is what I would kind of, kind of enter. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's what I would guess. I remember the first time we did our first job through you guys, we met with you guys over on, was it uh, um, Demers? Over by the Ultra Clinic there. Yep. In your first, or one of your first offices there, I believe. Met with you and Zach. And I remember leaving there with me and my dad. And um, and I told my dad on the way home, I said, I think those guys are going to have one of the biggest companies in town eventually. And he's very smart. He's never He's never been in, uh, um, he never wanted to have a big company. Just not him. He's extremely smart and extremely talented woodworker. But he's never had aspirations to have a big company. It's just not something that interests him. But um he, he left there and he said, yeah, he said, if they want to, they definitely can. And, you know, it ended up being that way. So it's kind of fun to look back and, and yeah. kind of call what we thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and yeah, between all of our parents, it's like, it wasn't their dream to have these huge companies, right, yeah, but yeah. Um, to work for themselves was still a huge yes, advantage yep. for them. That's I feel sometimes kind of bad because my dad's plan was to build up, you know, build quality cabinets and then retire into doing high-end custom furniture. And now it's, it's, um, not that now it's you know it's a legitimate large operation you know <laughs> we, we've grown it now into where last year was the first year we put out one kitchen per day out of our facility so we do one kitchen every day and that's complete from the first board being cut to being completely installed so one kitchen per day was last year and just to put into perspective on how things grow this year if we did only one kitchen per day we'd be going backwards you know so that's how fast things need to progress in this and we've we've completed our newest expansion now um we're getting in the process right now of getting things moved once this new shop is done now we need to get the rest of our operations organized to how they need to be and how this works for us is once we get that done you know there's kind of a revenue blocks i guess you could say so once we get um 
you can only do so many, you know, certain dollars of revenue per the size of, of company or per the square footage of company that you have roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I, my, my ultimate goal, I guess, is to kind of get this size of our operation redlining for probably two years or so. And then I have, you know, my ultimate dream, I guess, is to get it so that we're moving onward and going much more automated. We already are automated. We run CNC equipment. We run, you know, everything's very automated, but I want to get it so that we're producing large, large amounts of cabinets on a huge scale across the entire country. Um, What's neat about that is the route we've taken where we have commercial cabinets, residential cabinets, and multifamily or apartment style cabinets, which is very rare. Since we have that, what we're actually probably, in my opinion right now, closer to offering a mass-produced, fully custom cabinet at a reasonable price than any other places, including the big cabinet places like medallion cabinetry. Like We're probably closer to mass-producing cabinets than they are at a reasonable price for fully custom. Um, you know, so I is think medallion we, like in Menards or, or yes, these box exactly. stores? Yep, yeah, exactly. Okay, yep. is that who you're referring yep, to? Exactly. And or they, Home Depots, yep, all these big exactly. box stores? Yep. All those cabinets, Schrock, medallion, all those cabinet lines, they mass produce cabinets, but for them to provide a fully custom cabinet, their price is ridiculous because they're just not set up for that. We're trying to get to that and we're close. You know, I would say we're maybe five, six, seven years away from that right now, which is extremely close. And it's going to take some major investment on our end and it's going to take, you know, us working out some kinks. And like I said, us redlining here for a while so that we can build up the capital to get there. Um, but we're close and it's, it's when we hit it, it'll be a major game changer. You know, we can start all of a sudden, you know, hitting the, uh, hopefully hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue at that point, you know, shipping country, you know, nationwide. And yeah. stuff. So, um, that's the ultimate goal. If it doesn't happen, we're finally to a point now to where I can be okay with myself, I guess, yeah. if you will. I, I'm, I'm a person who who needs to have a lot going. I feel bad for our people around me sometimes, um, you know, personal life for my wife and in, in my, in my, um, business life for the people that I put right around me because I, I run around and if things are going too smooth, I, I create chaos or I you know, start <laughs> fires just to, just to basically um, make things happen. And then they, they're the ones who have to tend to them and, and, you know, manage yeah. them, I guess. And I feel bad for that sometimes, but it's without that, I, I'm just not okay. I guess yeah. I need to have things going a lot. And, and I do feel bad for those people sometimes, but they, they do extremely well with it. And they're, they're extremely uh, appreciated for doing that. Um, my wife probably wants to kill me sometimes, I guess, but you know, she seems to be okay with it. Yeah, I got a question then. Okay, so so you're up to, well, you were up to last year one set of cabinets per day. Yep. What, you know, in 2014, what was the hope? One cabinet, you know, what? So what we, what we started back then, when my initial goal was, was to do about one kitchen per week with three guys or so. So typical revenue per employee in a cabinet shop is about a hundred thousand per person per employee per year, I should say. Um, and that would be about top line revenue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. So that would be about, um, a kitchen per week, you know, is what that would be. Um, that's, that's what, you know, most, most three, four person shops are putting out that one kitchen per week on average. And I call it a kitchen. What I'm referring to there, you know, is, is a, qu- a average sized kitchen or an equivalent, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you're doing a, a couple big bathrooms or something that might be the equivalent of a kitchen if you're doing a, a huge you know multi-million dollar home which we do quite a few of um that might be you know a lot more than a couple kitchens or something like that too that might tie you up for a couple weeks or something like that sometimes. sure but um yeah so it, it it all varies of course but yeah that would that would like back then um we would have been at probably about, like I said, a kitchen per week, and it's been gradually growing ever since then. At some points, you start hitting, you know, to where you turn it from, you know, went from a kitchen per week to where it starts to hit probably um, two kitchens per week, very slow from that. But then once you hit two kitchens per week, getting to four kitchens per week goes pretty quick. Um, and then, you know, it's been building on itself. What was the hardest week. part to get to two kitchens in a week? <laughs> uh, departmentalizing. You know, what, what, what's, what's really the toughest part about all of it is turning uh, production workers into craftsmen, right? And so, so we do something a little bit different. So we offer commercial cabinets, we offer residential cabinets, and we offer apartment cabinets or, or multifamily cabinets. That's very rare. Most places, commercial cabinet shops offer commercial cabinets. Um, residential cabinets offer, you know, residential style cabinets and, and, you know, cheap cabinets or apartment cabinets offer, you know, that only. Um, we offer everything. And, and so that kind of ties into this, but what I'm saying is, I guess each different style of cabinet has its own issues and its own 
problems to, to make. And so the same goes for when you're building um, these cabinets. Like, let's see how to put this, I guess. When we're talking about, um, let's see how to put this here. If we're talking about... Uh, um, a certain style of cabinet? Yeah. Okay. What was the question there again? I'm sorry. Well, just, you know, what what's the hardest part of scaling these types yeah, okay. of cabinets? Yeah, so tur- okay. Turning employees two- into craftsmen. That's what I was getting at. I'm yeah. Sorry. So so what we're what we're getting at there is is uh when we're dealing with the turning employees into craftsmen, we're, we're dealing with a lot of different types of cabinets there, like I said. So now all of a sudden we have a lot to learn, right? And and taking somebody off, you know, coming in to learn cutting. That's not a problem, right? Cutting cutting out machining, not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. Um, assembly, not too bad. Like you can learn that stuff. But now when you're a smaller shop, especially, you you have to learn cutting and machining. You have to learn finishing. You have to learn installation. Lots you of have, hats. You have to, yeah, exactly. Every employee has to become a, a well-rounded craftsman. Now in a shop our size, we don't have to have that many hats, right? Now, now we have our specialty guys who know everything, we have our floaters who know a bit of everything, but our finishing people rarely leave the finishing room, right? Our assemblers rarely leave the assembly shop. And so it's you know much more specialized, so things go much more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, since we do offer, like I said, three different styles of cabinets with unlimited options for each of them, they still have to be well-versed on the different types of materials and different options out there. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, it's still a lot to learn. But turning, you know, the workers into craftsmen is very difficult. Um, you know, cabinet making doesn't require a ton of, of um, credentials. It's not like electricians. It's not like plumbers where you have to go to schooling and you know, have an apprenticeship and all that. It's not like that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's no easier. I mean, there's a lot to learn with it. It really is. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a very tough, tough, tough and rewarding way to make a living. I mean, there's a lot to learn, but it, it is very rewarding. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had great a great life with it. You know, you get obsessed with it. I mean, it's very fun. It's, it's extremely rewarding. One of the problems with woodworking or cabinet making is that your work is out in front of everybody. And the most rewarding thing about woodworking and cabinet making is that your work is out in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you see some of the work these plumbers and electricians do. You walk onto a site before the house is closed in with sheetrock and whatnot, and it's beautiful. I mean, they have these nice systems put in place that are all, you know, there's intricate d- details everywhere on them. And all of a sudden you look and you know, two weeks later, they're all behind walls and you can't even see them anymore. Yeah. You know, so like our work out being out in front of people is fun to see, you know, and we get to really, you know, helps us market and stuff like that as well too. You get to see our work all the time. So, right. So if you're, if you're, you know, I'm going to do math quick here. If you're, you're pumping out last year was one cabinet per set per day. And that, yep. that's a big milestone. Yep. You know, if you needed three to do one a week, yep. if you need 15 yep. to do one a day, mm-hmm. is that pretty much the multiple or does it get more efficient as you climb uh, the ladder? 15, 15, what? No, 15 guys. Uh, to do one a day. Yeah. It all depends on. So that, like I said, that's, that's cabinets alone. Um, so we need, um, in, in that, you know, that's shop alone. So I'd say, yeah, our shop alone is probably um, about 15 to 20. Um, we have our office staff as well, too, and then we have our installation, you know. So we run about um, 30 full-time staff is what we run. Okay. Um, and like I said, that was last year. And last year, we were probably right around that 20-some mark. This year now, we're, we're increased from that. Like I said, now, if we did that now now this year, we'd be going backwards. So yeah. now this year, we're running about 30 full-time people. 30 guys. But you're doing two cabinets a day. Yeah, we do. Uh, oh, yeah, two to three. Two to three full, full kitchens per okay. day is what we typically do. So the multiple's kind of the same. It's it just, is, yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Um, it keeps on being the same. scaling. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's one thing I've noticed about this too is that and for anybody who's who's got a smaller cabinet shop I used to get kind of bummed you know I'd go meet with customers and it gets to be a bit monotonous sometimes I love what I'm doing all the time but you know you'd see people go out and they get these big jobs and I'd go out and I'd meet with somebody about a small kitchen and it's like okay you know and just another small kitchen and but as I've gotten bigger now it's still it gets larger and more often but it stays the same like I would go around before and I would meet with a customer about a kitchen and I would do it again and again and again or a bathroom and whatnot. And it was mm-hmm. the same thing over and over again. Well, I'm still doing that, but now, you know, and as I got bigger, it got to be, you know, oh, here's a beautiful million dollar home. And that was fun, you know, um, and then that got to be more and more. But now what it is that I'm seeing the most of is I go and I meet with developers and I meet with, with um, you know, large scale builders or big you know, architects and I'm in boardrooms and it's, it's still <coughs> the same thing, just on a larger scale. Yeah. You know? So it's, and I just told one of the guys who's kind of become my right-hand man now, actually, and I told him, I said, I had a huge advantage that you don't get. 
I started out when the company was extremely small. I've had the opportunity to make my mistakes and grow with the company. So as I grew selling and as I grew designing, the company was going to have to perform as I did, right? Yep. He now, as he's taking over some of my roles as I'm expanding into different areas, he is thrown into it and he's got to perform to what I was performing and what the shop is performing with just getting kind of thrown into it. And I'm helping him and I'm using him into it, of course, but it's, it's a big advantage for me to be, have been able to grow with the shop, you know, and so yeah. neither one of us really had to outperform each other, you know? Yep. Um, so that was a big advantage for myself, of course, but. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, so let's, let's talk about, we were talking a little bit about before this that, you know, well, you even mentioned it, you know, in seven years you plan on scaling, yep. uh, there's, there's a big vision there. Um, and I know you have big goals. So, yeah. um, let's. I just want to like, you know, as your mentality right now, um, we know how you scaled now to two, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, what, what is it going to take to get to where you want to go in seven? So is that, is that, you know, how many cabinets, you know, we kind of been lining this up with cabinets per week. Yep. 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 Um, you know, is it software? What's going to be like the big hurdles to try and get there? First step is what I, how I typically handle our growth is, well, two different ways. One of the things I equated to constantly, which I have no idea why I do it. I'm kind of stupid, I guess, but I equated to, to surfing and not even a good analogy. And I've never surfed before, so it's really stupid. But um, imagine like if you're, when, when I talk about growth, how I equate it to our guys out in the shop, we have weekly meetings. And one of the, one of the analogies that I continually use is when you're surfing, um, if you could make your own wave, right? All your growth stems from, if you could generate your own wave, that's the front end of, of growth. And so how we do that is we... We could generate our own wave. That's that's us generating that wave. That is us advertising. That is us doing our, our social media marketing. That is us calling out to our contractors. That is us reaching out to architects and developers and getting as much interest drummed up as we possibly can. Um, then once we generate a big enough wave, it's tra- time to try and kind of ride that wave down, right? And if you make that wave too big, you're going to fall and ain't good, right? So now you have to try and navigate your way down that wave. And as once you get that to where you're, you know, coming down that smooth, then it's good. You can't have it going too smooth. It's time to start generating that wave again, right? So you mm-hmm. have to drum that back up again. And I keep doing that same cycle again and again and again. Um, now the variables change and sometimes you have to grow in different ways. I mean, that's just a very, very broad term of how we tend to grow, grow the company, I guess. But um, what it's going to take for us, you know, actually what, what, our, what our individual goals are going to take is we're at a really tough spot right now. So up to this point has been what I consider to be phase one of, of, of the shop, taking it from a, a startup, which my father did that, which I'm grateful for. I, I, I personally think taking a company from nothing to a one or two or three person company to taking it is every bit as hard as taking it from a three person company to a 30 person company. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. And I have never done that. Um, I don't think I ever will do that, but I, I, I really admire people that do that. And so um, that's extremely difficult. But for us, phase one was getting it from one person to roughly 30 people, maybe 40 people. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's phase one. Once we get that, we need to redline it, like I said, for a couple of years in order to build up some capital for the next phase. Because What's a redline? Uh, redlining just means we're pushing it to the max. We're pushing our capacity beyond what it can actually do. And the reason for that is because then you're actually showing some pretty good profits for a while. Mm-hmm. When you're not redlining, you're, you're not showing a lot of profits, of course. So, um, and what I mean by, by doing that is that we're, you know, finally building up some profits and I typically don't care much. I, I'm not a money driven person. Mm-hmm. I'd argue that you aren't either, I guess, but, um, you know, incentive driven, uh, um, um, you know, I want to have a big successful company. So you need to handle money and you need to have cash flow and stuff, of course, but money's not what drives me. But in order for our next phase to happen, we do have to have, you know, some good capital coming in, um, or raised, I should say. And then what we can do once we get that there, then it's going to be to invest because the real problem with the next phase is you'll notice that a lot of big commercial cabinet shops get to about the size that we are right now. Um, residential cabinet shops typically do not. They hit about that 10 to 15 person mark. And then that's where they sit because there's levels to this where it gets extremely difficult to maximize beyond that. Um, the apartment builders, uh, cabinet builders, I should say, they can sometimes get much bigger. Since we're in all three, it gives us kind of an advantage. It's an extremely hard thing to do is to focus on all three. It causes our, our staff to have to learn three different types of cabinets. Like I said earlier, it's very difficult. Um, 
That being said, it gives us a big advantage down the road and it gives us the opportunity to, to expand in many different directions. Now, the reason that it's so difficult to expand beyond this is because for us now, when we're going to be you know, hitting, like I said, phase two here, so we've got some capital raised. Um, what it takes for that is much more automation, right? The number of employees has to increase some. We've always been able to make that work. I think we do that by, by the same way that you guys do it. We've never really struggled to have you know, too many employees. Even when it's been a real big problem in the area, us obtaining employees hasn't been. And I think it's because of the culture that we set up out there. We provide opportunity. We provide growth. You know, we're always looking towards the future and they see that, you know, people are attracted to what they, what they want to be a part of. They see there's potential out there for anybody Mm -hmm. and and they, they like that, you know, over money, over anything, they want to see that there's a future in something and they can be a part of something real. So obtaining the employee shouldn't be too difficult. I think we can reach the capital we need to get there. Um, automation, of course, is tough. So our next growth for phase two of this and is to get it started and then it's to fail a bunch and to find our find our feet underneath us because that's how you always have to do it, in my opinion. But it's to automate and then there has to be a huge jump. So when we start hitting this, it's to go from hopefully before the redlining, I mean, maybe four or five kitchens a day, and then it's to try and get to 20 kitchens a day because in order to justify all that big expensive equipment, you have to be doing that kind of volume. So that's why we have, like I said, redlining the operation for a few years. That's what I mean. We have to get there. Um, it's a very, this next, next step is a very, very expensive step. And so we have to get there, um, you know, with a lot of risk and, and it's, it's, it always has been a lot of risk and I'm not at risk. I'm not afraid of risk at all. Yeah. Um, but it is something that you definitely have to be aware of. You know? What's the hardest part of that scaling? What, 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 if there, you know, if there, you could solve one thing, is it, is it focus, you know, cause you've got three lines right now. Yep. <clears throat> I used to do like everything in the construction biz. Yep. I was the concrete guy, the remodel guy, the, yep. the general contract, whatever. I'll do it. I'll do anything. Just yep. tell me. Yep. Just ask me yep. <laughs> the yes, man. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I didn't start, you know, actually making money till I took one of those things away. Yep. And, and, you know, so if, do, do you take away a line and, and I'm just an example, I don't know what you do, right? Like, do you focus yep. and you figure out what you can scale quickest <laughs> You can. Um, you or can. what's, what's one of the biggest issues you, you of scaling? Can do that. I don't think you necessarily have to with this. I mean, cabinets is a very, very refined thing already. And we've, we've already been working on that. So what we did, so with, with cabinets, um, in my opinion, some of the places have got it wrong. And, and I'm, I'm not here to talk bad about anybody doing cabinets. I, I admire places that build cabinets. I mean, we do the same thing, obviously. What we do differently is, so all of our boxes, our cabinet boxes are the same. So we've, we've simplified things, right? We're, we're maybe calling, call it cheating, I guess, if you want to. But so what we've done is <clears throat> with our commercial boxes, with, with other places, a commercial cabinet, I should say, I'll start out with that. A commercial cabinet is a, is a, melamine box and it's got mel- mel- uh, uh, laminate doors um, with, with a backer on it. They're always slab. That's a commercial style cabinet, like what you guys use on your, your properties. Typically. Mm-hmm. Um, what, a, what a residential cabinet is typically now in, in custom cabinets, there's no typical. So I say typically, um, but with a residential cabinet, what that is, is it's a, a, a cabinet box can be a number of different products. Plywood melamine depends on the line. It has a face frame on it, and then it has a, a wood, typically a wood uh, door that's either painted or stained wood uh, with drawer fronts on the outside. Now, the, the quality of that can vary depending on the, the thickness of the, the material and the, the quality of the hardware. Um, what an apartment-style cabinet is, is typically just a simplified, cheaper version of the residential cabinet, right? So what we've done, which makes this all possible for us, um, is we keep all of our cabinet boxes the same processes. And we demand that. There's no other way for us to do this. We demand that all of our cabinet boxes are three quarter inch. So it makes for a very sound, durable, sturdy cabinet, right? So no matter if we're selling to apartment uh, complex or we're selling to, you know, commercial, which is what they spec anyway, or, or residential, we have three quarter inch cabinet boxes. We do different types of material, but our systems are all the same. So it's three quarter inch cabinet boxes, um, half inch backs with nailers on the backside. For our cabinet doors, they're interchangeable depending on the, on the type now. So our, for our residential, we do a face frame, we do a, a wood door, we have unlimited options, right? For our commercial style, whatever they spec, but it's almost always a laminate face door. For our apartment style, our base, base, base level is very, it's still the same box and it's still the same hardware. So in my opinion, what they got wrong on, on the basic version of cheap style cabinets, when you go into Menards and you buy their entry level cabinets, they're 
bottom of the line stuff. What they got wrong is that they cheapened up the cabinets and they needed to, I get that. And they put money into the faces of the cabinets, which is fine. You know, they look fine from the outside, right? But they're only a five-year cabinet. They're not going to hold up well over time. They're not going to um, because they're using sometimes quarter-inch drawer boxes with quarter-inch bottoms. At the most, they're using three-eighths-inch drawer boxes with quarter-inch bottoms. They're stapled together um, as opposed to being dialed together. They're, they're using, you know, thin cabinet boxes. They're just not quality. Um, so what we've done is we're overbuilding the boxes still. We're still using three quarter inch cabinet boxes. Our, our hardware is still the same. We're using Bloom undermounted soft close slides. We're using Bloom integrated soft close hinges. So our cabinet box is the same for these apartment style cabinets as it is for a multi-million dollar home. So our cabinet boxes are extremely overbuilt. What we do to get our price down there is we limit our face selections and we go with the cheaper material for that. So we're using either, number one, a laminate style slab door, which only comes in a select few colors that we offer. So we have that ready to go at all times. Or we're using um, like probably four or five different painted colors and, and uh, shaker style doors. So the shaker style door is a slight amount more than the laminate ones. And, you know, it takes just a little bit longer. And then from there on, you can keep adding up a little bit. You can, you can upgrade to a stain style shaker door. Um, but you know, there's little upgrades all the time, but our basic one, we call it a permanent trail style cabinet, just as a homage to where we're located at. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, we're, we're, we're doing what you're suggesting there just by limiting our style of cabinet, but we're still offering it to all the different areas. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, and, and let's talk maybe pricing. Cause I, I think that stuff's more affordable. Like I remember back in the day and I, I don't, you know, the kitchen cabinets it would be like 40 grand yeah, for like crazy. this custom yep. kitchens. Yep. And now today we, I do apartments. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm most well know that area, mm -hmm. uh, well rehearsed, but what's, you know, what's an average apartment, maybe an average house and then a high end house. Sure. Okay. So it all varies and it varies a lot between shops. So you get a lot of like, say for instance, other residential shops for different reasons, they charge a lot of different prices, but typically, you know, a, a good quality residential shop is going to ha have to charge a lot more. For a number of different reasons, but, you know, they're not purchasing in volume. They're not doing a lot of other things. But, you know, for a typical custom kitchen, a lot of them are going to be around that probably 20000 at least for cabinets for a residential typical home. Um, we're going to be probably at least a typical residential home, a typical house, not a, you know, big house, but like probably like a 1,500 square foot to 2,000 square foot home. We're going to be, you know, typically... 8,000, 10,000. We're a lot less it's yeah. just because of the volume we produce. That's fully custom everything. Um, Multi-million dollar house, it all depends on the house. Yeah, those are going to be know, tough. It's, it's really tough to give you a generic price on it. Um, for apartment style homes, again, the layouts depend a lot. It depends on how many units you're talking. Um, but for rough pricing, I mean, I, I can get, you know, typically on, a, on, I can get into apartment style cabinets that we're offering for you know, uninstalled cabinets themselves. I mean, I'm talking typically, you know, anywhere from two to $3,000 a unit is all it ends up being a lot of times. I mean, we can get, we can get down really tight on the, some of those for pricing. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you're listening to this and you know, you live in the, you know, I'd say even where he's out of Viking, Minnesota, which is yep. near thief river. Yep. Um, um, you know, you're, you do, you service two, three hours. I mean, you're spreading oh, yeah. your wings yeah, all we, over, we go all over the place. And, um, you know, I don't usually do plugs in these, but I, I think they do a, a very good job. They'll install, like I said, it's more affordable than you would think to redo your kitchen. It's not something where you need to go to Lowe's and like print out the thing and have the shock and awe because likely that's not as efficient as it should be. You know, no, I know you're picking no. out a kitchen, but like literally they'll come install it. Um, they have tops there. It yep. can be a one and done shop for you. Yep. And I guarantee you're going to spend a hell of a lot less. So, um, Make sure you get a hold of a Marcus at Waterworth. We'll we'll link some stuff at the end Thank of this you. and Thank plug you. that. So, um, um, I want to get back a little bit. Um, you know, obviously you had plenty of challenges. Um, you know, is there anything significant? Say like there's the cabinet guys out there. You know, even <clears throat> there's lots of companies that are five six guys. Yep. can't figure out. You know, the the two cabinets a week. Like, how do I get? How do I get to? that level or what, what was the breakthrough? What did you need to do to make sure to get through that? Cause well, that's where a lot of people struggle. They do. Yep. And it's, it's, um, so ironically <clears throat> for me, it was complete happenstance when I, when I was able to experience our, our most growth and I say I, but it's always been my father and myself. He still works very closely with me and we do it together. My hat's off to him because he, 
he's never given me anything. He, he's always make me, made me earn anything I've had. He's never given me a single handout. But what he did do is when he started selling me the place, even before I was a majority owner, he let me treat it like it was my own. He let me make investments with what he was majority owner of. He let me use the money like it was my own company to make investments. And it's worked out you know, well for him and well for myself as well too. But um, I, I'm extremely appreciative of, of what he's done there. So when I say I, I don't mean that. I mean him and I, I mean everybody else who's involved out there as well too. But um, so going back to what you were saying there, I guess, um, what was that again? Well, I mean, what can help? Oh, help them grow. Smaller sorry, yeah. companies. So, so what, what get happened, beyond that? What, what happened for for us was, what did you do that your dad didn't do? Right, yeah, or, okay. or didn't want to do? By complete luck, I was running around looking at jobs. I I was like you said before. You had I think it was, it was stress or something like that. You said you had oh yeah medical issues. Oh yeah. Same thing for me. It was I I was going nuts. I was doing the designing. I was doing the bidding. I was working in every single department. And the lifestyle that caused, I mean, I'm a fat guy now, but I was very fat and I was drinking too much. I was doing everything too much. I've always been a guy where I'm, I'm a, a, if something's good, it's going to be great if I do way more, right? That's just me. I, I, if, I mean, I'm a person who push everything to the extremes. That's just who I am. And so when it was coming to eating, I was doing that. When it was coming to everything in my life, I was doing that. Well, it led me to be overweight. It led me to bad lifestyle basically. And I ended up out of a job and ended up having a pancreas attack and it laid me up in the hospital for a week. And I ended up being shut down at my house for about a month. Um, and then I couldn't work on the shop floor for about probably, probably three months, I would guess. Mm-hmm. As I recovered from that, I was confined to my office. Well, I can't sit still. And so while I'm sitting in my <laughs> house, I have to be doing stuff. So all of a sudden I'm paying attention to business only. I'm paying attention to everything business with the cabinet shop and I'm not dealing with things in the shop and I'm realizing, okay, this is way more beneficial. From that day, I've never went back to working full-time in the shop. It used to be where I work 40 hours a week in the shop and probably 40 hours a week in the office. From that day, it's been more than full-time in the office and some in the shop. Now I hardly work out in the shop at all. I go check on things and make sure that- Do they do things better than you used to? Yeah, some of them do for sure. Yeah, <laughs> That's when I go out in the concrete field. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, they're they're yeah, kicking some, my yeah, ass yeah, now. Absolutely. I was the godfather there for yeah, a while. So yeah, I was like, yeah. damn it. I, yeah. No, we've got some. I kick your ass yeah. in anything There's concrete, ex- but I can't anymore. talented guys out there. Some yeah. of those guys, I just, I mean, it's, I admire the heck out of them. I mean, they're, yeah. they're extremely talented at what they're doing there. I mean, we've got some guys out there that stuff they're building is just, it's, it's incredible. And some of them, how fast they've gotten to that level too. I mean, I've been exposed to stuff since I was a kid and I've always considered myself an extremely talented woodworker and, you know, I'm very well-rounded. I know a lot of the, all the different aspects and stuff, but some of the stuff those guys can build is, is astounding. I mean, it really yeah. is. Yeah. You don't want to watch me build anything in cabinetry. Sure. Yeah. I get scared of the table saw. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I just, I don't know. I don't have like, it's weird. Like with concrete work, I could just like, I like, I want it to be meant and like yeah. perfect. Yeah. Like that's just the way I am. Yeah. Comes to trim work. I'm like, my wife has all these projects yeah, going on, yeah. as you know. Yeah, yeah She yeah. calls you. Yeah. I think she has. She texts you. Oh, yeah. We yeah. should have it, you change your number. So <laughs> um, she's already ordering cabinets. Um, and, uh, you know, but I just, I just hack some shit together. I'm just not you a know, good, like, carpentry, finished carpentry guy. Like, to, to speak on that, I, I can't operate heavy equipment. I'm, I'm, oh. I, I have a block. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> I have a block. It's terrible. I, and, like, I, had a, I was doing some work at my <clears> house <throat> one time, and the guy was there, and he left some stuff at his house, and, or at my house, and um, I wanted to move something. He said, oh, just hop in and move it. And I ran into my deck, and, like, took it out with the skid steer. And, I mean, it's just that's how stupid I am. I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> I can't figure up or down. I can't figure out anything on him. But you know your strengths, and you're, yeah, you're yeah, fitting to yeah. them. Um, and uh, I, want, I want to go back to that. So, okay, well, you know, these smaller companies, I think, you know, to, to you're going to have to start letting go. I mean, and, and that's whether it was health or whatever you figured out. That's what it took for me. I winded yeah. up in the hospital and, and just, that's what it took for me to like, Hey, yeah. I need to make a change. Uh, the six coffees and two monsters is probably right. not good exactly. every yeah. day. And it caught up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just needed to let go, which I had, I had a problem. Yeah. It was yeah. my own problem. Yeah. I was my best worker and my worst enemy, mm-hmm. um, on growing anything. So, um, that's where I dove into business and, and just tried to learn and, 
you know, I, I took it upon myself for a few years, but then I, I took on EOS, yep. as you know, that story. And that's just really heard, just where on the podcast and it was great to listen to. Yeah, it really was all your podcasts. I want to say that, you know, actually while we're talking here, what you're doing here, I, I, I appreciate so much. I love listening to podcasts. I listen to them and audiobooks all day long. I love business and to hear the stories of like Northdale, to hear Deitzler Electric story. I've worked with Mac for many years now to hear your guys' story, the backstory, the behind the scenes stuff of it all. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, for you to, you know, take time out of your schedule to put these out. I truly appreciate it. Yeah. I, I'm a regular listener to them. As you know, I, I, I really do appreciate it. I appreciate all you're doing for that. Um, I also appreciate your story uh, quite a bit because um, there was a time when I was just starting out where as every young guy, you don't know, like I said, I'll never be a person. I, I do some of my own hobby businesses now, if you will, Yeah. but I'll never be a guy who started the company and I've always thought about that. And I thought about starting my own company way back when. Um, and I often think about like if I had started my company as opposed to taking over my father's company, what it would be like. And I kind of look to you because you started off with your father at a young age. We have very similar stories in some yeah. senses. And to see what you did starting off, you know, from yourself after having worked for your father. Um, I, I like to follow your story just to, you know, oh, it could have been this way if I had done this or what. I, I like to see that. I really yeah. like to see what you've done here. It's very incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, my dad and I are both stubborn people apparently oh, yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. you know, we clashed and, and it just, the vision alignment changed and he didn't want to grow when right. I wanted to grow. Yeah. So obviously you had a connection with your dad that yeah, yeah. he, he wanted to pass the baton and keep right, you sure. rolling, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like you wanted to keep things growing. So I, it, you know, my dad helped me in my business early on. I helped him in a business still. It was like yep. we were helping each other. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was just phasing out and then I yeah. just kept pushing, yep. um, which that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. 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 So, um, have you, you know, as you grow then, we were talking a little bit about this and scaling. Have, have you considered like, does EOS help you bring, you know, we were talking about this before. Like, what do I track? How do I only spend one to two hours a week yeah. at Mac construction, yep. my yep. construction company? Um, you know, great leadership team, great leadership yep. board. They run the company. I have input. Yep. Um, I deal with real big problems. Yeah. But I almost stay out of every department, yep. right? And yep. and you got you got operations, you got marketing, you got sales, uh -huh. you got you know, you, there's really only a few pieces to the company. Yep. And um, you know, does that? Is that how you're set up now? Or or essentially? Yes. Okay. So what we do right now. Um, so like I said, it used to be where I wore all the hats. Um, you know, my father wore a few and I, I wore the rest of them. And then it, as we've grown now, we set it up so that we have, there's different departments for everything. Yep. Out, out in the shop, we've got different departments and leads for every department. We've got a few people in charge of the shop as a whole who the leads are responsible to. In the office, we have different people, you know, in charge of different departments of the office as well too. I still wear uh, a few of the hats. I'm still, you know, I'm president of the company, um, which is my role as president, in my opinion, is is the visionary, as you talk about a lot of times mm -hmm. too. I decide which way I think we should go, which way is beneficial. Um, and then my other duties, daily duties, are to oversee um, the design. I don't do a lot of design anymore, but I oversee the design. Um, dealing with, with immediate problems, of course. Um, if there's issues, I have to be on top of those. But my main thing right now is setting up processes for where we're going. Mm. So the apartments have been a big push of ours, which have been going well. So right now I've been dealing with all of that. And while I'm doing that, I will set up a team to deal with that. And then once I get that team set up, then I'll go on to the next thing. And then, so that's how I deal with, with, you know, the expansion is I take it on, I deal with it exclusively. I'll grab people to help me and stuff with it, of course, but I, I deal with that exclusively to see how it, how I think it should operate. I get systems in place for it. And then once I feel that's running smoothly, I'll jump to the next thing to start that fire. Um, gotcha. That's, that's kind of how I deal with it. I, uh, and <clears throat> I think for a lot of people, they like, like I'm a visionary and you put me in a room full of systems and processes and I'm like, yeah, no fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm not listening. Yeah. Like my listening skills aren't good yeah. and they're really not good when we're yeah. doing uh, systems and processes. Yeah. How do you, um, as a visionary and, and some people have, some people are visionaries and very good at process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, Ryan Pineda is one of my mentors, but he, he does, he does work through some processes, mm -hmm. uh, much mm -hmm. better than I do even. So what, what is a system and a process? Like what, you know, you've got this new apartment grade, you know, and you're yep. trying to scale this. 
what do you, how do you systemize? How do you organize that? What, what's your thought behind that? So the first thing to do, honestly, through working it through backwards typically is, is what we typically do. Um, using the experience from our previous work, you know, same type of things. I, I put high priority on it. So when I take on a new large builder or a new, you know, large project like that, I, I have to make promises and I have to make sure those promises are met and I have to make sure other people, other customers are aware that, hey, this this is going to be taking priority and it can lead to some some issues. I mean, <laughs> it can be tough. I, I'm aware of that. It, it's, it, yeah. it, I talk about this stuff and I'm not saying, oh, it's easy. I'm not. It's not. It's not easy. It's definitely not. It's very tricky. It can lead to some issues. Um, there's a lot of people that, that work closely around me that I end up stressing out a lot with some of this stuff. And I, I understand it, but it, you know, it's the only way to grow. You know, there's a lot of mishaps that happen and, and we're constantly you know, pushing the envelope, I guess. But So when those mishaps happen, do you yeah. create a pro like, are these documented? Oh yeah. Everything we do is extremely documented. Okay. Everything. Yeah. Okay. We document everything. You know, you only, unfortunately, maybe there's better ways, but from what I've seen, yep. you fail, you fail, you fail. It's gotten to be where I kind of enjoy failing a little bit. You have to fail. And, and hopefully it's not a big fail. Hopefully, you, you know, it's just a small deal and you catch it before anything really happens or anybody even has to notice about it. But mm -hmm. you're going to have these small little issues you have to figure out in a hurry and in a pinch. But you're, you're going to fail. You're, you're going to. No matter what you're doing, I don't care what it is. I've had some things I've tried to launch that just didn't work. I mean, I, many times, you know, but um, it just didn't happen at all. But um, for as far as the stuff, you know, a lot of times like with the commercial, we're getting into the very large commercial projects now that we're shipping around the Midwest. And those ones, we started out small, got our feet wet, realized, oh, yeah, we can handle that kind of volume. And those went very good as we started jumping into the bigger the bigger jobs, of, those, yeah. of course, you know. So um, uh, the apartments have been very good as well, as well there, too. And, like, with those ones now, almost every one of our customers know, it. hey, as we take on a 100-unit apartment, that takes priority, you know. Mm -hmm. And most of them are very good with it, and we're very transparent with our schedule as much as we possibly can be. Um, and so, you know, people are aware of what we're doing and they're aware of how, you know, how much we're trying to do for them. Like I said, I'm not a person who's incentivized by money and profits at all. I, I, I'm I, to my own detriment a lot of times. I mean, people can talk me into pretty much anything, unfortunately, <laughs> but I, I, I just want to make sure that, that, you know, we have to make sure it cash flows. I mean, business has to be first, things have to work out, but I, I really they typically know how much of, you know, how much we're trying to do for them and how much to make it work out for. And, and you know, people appreciate it. People really do, I think, appreciate our efforts. We we're, we're, have very good standing in our community and, and, you know, our employees seem to really like it. Like I said, we never struggled to get employees. Um, it's all, it's, when as good as you could hope trying to build a fully custom cabinet shop in the middle oh, yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, right. yeah, in the middle of, yeah, yeah, likely. Yeah, well, you know, people always get critical right away. And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. you can't, as an entrepreneur, you want to be a people pleaser. That's yeah. just by nature, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like you don't want to disappoint anybody. Um, you know, and if you do disappoint people, you just got to be, you just got to, you know, take it yeah, and, I, and be like, it was my mistake. I, I've and, struggled my entire life with anxiety and depression, always have. Yeah. Right? Um, so with that being said, I learned at a young age that depression is much worse. And so if I don't want to deal with depression, I have to take on way more than I want to. And that leads me to anxiety, but I'll take the anxiety over the depression. And with that, like all of a sudden with, with the anxiety, like as long as I'm truly, truly giving it my best, I can live with it. Like no matter how much people hate me yeah. or matter, as long as I'm truly giving it my best, which I need to keep myself in check with, I need to always make sure I'm truly giving it my all because it's easy to say, oh, I tried my hardest without trying your hardest. But as long as I'm truly giving it my all and I'm not, you know, just half-assing it, as long as I'm trying my hardest, if people are not satisfied, it is what it is. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, do you, uh, are you good with reflection? See, oh, many, sure many people so. like, you know, that are depressed or anxiety, it's like, you got to reflect on think about how far you have came, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. even when you're down on yourself yeah. and the line that you thought was going to be the next best yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think so. I think so. It's, it's tough because, you know, by nature, um, and my wife gets after me for it too a lot. You know, she's, she's a great person. She kind of holds, holds me together, of course, all yep. the time. But, um, I, I feel like always like I'm a, the biggest failure in the world, no matter what, like, that's just how I feel, you know? And, and like, 
she'll keep on. And I'm not looking for like pity. That's farthest thing from it. I just, yeah. you know, I just, how I feel, it's all I'm wired. Like a, what a loser, you know, it's just, and it's, it is what it is. And I've gotten kind of used to it, I guess, but, yeah. and, and maybe it's better to feel that way than to feel too proud of yourself. Well, you just, as an entrepreneur, you always want more, Yeah, exactly. you know, that's yep. the world we live in yep. and, and we want to do great things. Uh, we can make some mistakes. Um, you read the book gap in the gain. Uh, audiobook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. don't read, but I, I listen to them all the time. You listen yeah. to them. Yeah. And, uh, it's a great book that yeah. helps you reflect. Um, well, what's, uh, I got, I got some questions here then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to rattle off, which, um, you know, what's, what's one of your best investments and one of your worst? Um, and this could be whether it's in the, uh, uh the sure. cabinetry or outside the cabinetry. So best investments, I would say. Whether you want to tell me or not. No, yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm an open book. I don't mind. Um, so as far as best investments go, um, I would say that inside of, of, of work, and I encourage this for anybody who's starting out, and I've told this to our employees, and the number of people who've asked me to do it is none. And, and I, it's astounding to me. But I asked my father, and I understand it's my father, and, and it's a different relationship than most, but the amount of people who off, like, so how I first started buying into the business was I didn't need any money back then. Like I said, I've never been a person who really cared much about money, but I gave three quarters of my paycheck back to the company. That's how I started buying into the company before I had any money. I had nothing. Sure. I was just out of college. Actually, I was doing it while I was in college. And I gave three quarters of my paycheck back to the company. Um, I did that for a very long time until I built up some money. And then, you know, I started buying in more and more and I went and got loans to buy in. And, you know, I mean, it's just, you, you do whatever you can. And that money's ended up being a, a fantastic investment for me. Um, but I, I encourage people out there. You'd be amazed at the people who, who are willing to help you, you know, to, to, let you buy into something and they're maybe not going to give you a controlling percentage. Of course they're not, but they'll let you invest with them. Like not everybody will, but what's the worst they're going to say? No, yeah. I mean, it's just not a big deal. I mean, yeah. um, that's one thing I learned from sales is getting told no is not a big deal. I mean, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it happens. Um, outside of work, um, outside of the cabinet shop, I should say, um, I love business. Like I've said many times, um, and we own probably me and my brother, um, and our wives, I guess, but, we own probably 10 rental homes. Um, it's fun. I know you, you're big on rentals. Yeah, oh yeah. It's, it's um, not a make or break us thing. Um, it's uh, it's um, just for fun. I Long really term? Think. Yeah, not, not even really, honestly. I'll give it to my kids. I mean, I, I'll never cash them out. I never, oh. I never really sell anything, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy it. It's just, it's the hustle of it. It's, it's just, it's a hobby for me. You know, I just, I enjoy business. And, and so, you know, we make sure it cash flows. We make sure it doesn't really pay us anything. Um, like I said, I, I'm really not a person who's driven by money, um, to my own detriment. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we never have, and you've talked about it before too, but don't ever have any cash. What, what good is it going to do you, yeah. you know? And like I said, I listened to biographies on business owners and one, one thing I've always found kind of neat, but John D Rockefeller, the richest man to have ever lived. If you took his, his wealth, it would be like 44, you know, what is it? Billion? I mean, it's a huge amount, absolutely astounding. He'd be the richest man by ever if you took inflation, um, he, when he went around buying these moderate to small-sized oil companies to create his monopoly, he urged them to buy, um, take, take uh, uh, standard oil stock. And not because he told them the reason was because that they, um, you know, you're going to never have to work again. Your kids never have to work. Your grand but that wasn't the truth. That was what he, what he sold to them. But the truth of it was he didn't have any cash. I mean, here's the richest guy in the world with no cash to buy these small to mid-sized oil companies. You know, and yep. that's the truth of it. I mean, it's it's the people who actually have acquired stuff typically don't have cash reserves or, yeah. or large amounts of cash at times they do. But I mean, I, I, it's something that I wish that the average person would understand as well too. These people you perceive as being very wealthy are, are not sitting on wads of cash. Yeah. You know, but you're they, either rich or wealth exactly. and, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, you're not going to make a ton of money even sitting 5% in the yeah. bank yeah. and yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it doesn't matter. I've had fun with penny stocks and some Bitcoin and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it went good or bad, it's like, oh, this isn't really for me. Yeah, just for fun. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your biggest fear? Um, Health-wise and stuff, I suppose, but letting people down is my big one. I, I hate it. I, I, it scares me all the time to let people down. That's probably the biggest cause of anxiety for me, I guess, is letting people down. Um, that, and of course, I'm, I'm a big family guy, and I... I Anytime I hear about a kid being, you know, very sick or something like that, oh man, that, that scares yeah. me so bad. But mm -hmm. yeah, short of that, letting people down um, is a big one for me. Um, I don't know. Not, yeah. not uh, living, you know, 
not doing what I can as well too, missing out on, on um, something I should be doing because I'm just being too stupid or being too bold to, to see an opportunity. Um, that bothers me. I guess, missing out, I guess, bothers me. Um, you know, Things like that, stuff that I should be reacting to that I'm just being too arrogant or bold for or whatever the yeah. one is, I guess, you know, but. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, um, all right. In, so we're talking a lot about scaling. In 10 years, where will you be at? 20, 33. Hopefully alive. That'd be great. <laughs> Start with uh, that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, where you be at in business? What I hope is I would love to be, who knows what happens with employees with automation and stuff. I mean, I, I hate to use employees as a reference. I'd love to be at, you said, how many years, 10 years you said? 10 years, 2033. I would like to be at 100 million, I think would be a fair, a fair number. Um, I'd like to be at, you know, delivering um, shipping cabinets um, nationwide, uh, um, full line of, of my underlining thing with cabinets. So my, my underlining goal has always been to provide a quality cabinet at a, at a, at a good price, like a fair price, you know, and other options as well too. But I want to have a product that's attainable for the average person and a good quality cabinet that's fully custom. That's what we've always set out to offer. And, and I truly believe in that. And if that's a, out there, I think it catches on. I, and I think we can offer that. And once that is offered, I think it really works. I really do. Um, you know, and I think we can set up the systems and practices to make that happen. And we're not afraid to, to do what needs to be done to make that happen. Um, I, I think we can, can achieve that. You know, I, I could be wrong, been wrong many times. I'm not afraid to be wrong either, but I'm, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. And that's, that's where I'd like to be at. Yeah, you might get some venture capital that's, uh, listening to this yeah. that, uh, wants to invest. Um, no, that's a big goal, man. And, and so how many cabinets a day would that be? Approximately. Um, You're not going to do all the math. Oh, I can figure it out. Um, it would be roughly all about 15 kitchens a day, 20 kitchens a day. 20 kitchens a day. Well, hey, you're beating Elon Musk on the Cybertruck. Maybe he'll be yeah. freaking out at that pace by then too. So no, cool, man. I, I'm excited to watch the journey too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what does unfollow the herd mean to you? Unfollow the herd. Um, you know, buck the trends, I guess. Uh, indivi- you know, I guess individually, I think what it means is to figure out what the, the, the herds are doing and then, you know, go against it. And I think what myself, what it means to me is to, what the average person right now is looking to do is, is, uh, maybe, you know, go to work and have it as easy as they can and relax on the weekends. And they, I always talk about having fun and I don't, I don't value fun really, I guess. I mean, you find fun in anything and, and you can relaxing on the weekends. I don't it never interested me, I guess, but, um, you know, find something that drives you and, and follow that. The, the best advice I can give anybody is to don't, you know, if, especially for young kids, um, if you're deciding what you want to do, or where you want to be at, don't listen to, sorry, moms and dads, but don't listen to your mom and dad. Don't listen to your girlfriend. Don't listen to anybody. The people that care about you are giving you advice because they want you to succeed. What you need to do and you need to realize is you need to think out your steps and you need to decide where you want to be at, where you need to be at in order to be, you know, satisfied with your life. Once you figure that out, you need to put your blinders on and do not sacrifice that until you get there. Um, you, know, you can compromise, you can make slight adjustments, but you need to put your blinders on and, and achieve that regardless of what anybody or the herd is doing. And you need yep. to just follow through it. If you give yourself opportunities to be sidetracked, you will be sidetracked every single time. Yeah, most people, don't. they, they lack focus when they, mm-hmm. they attain their goals. Um, when you can get really clear in your head and actually like ask yourself, like, what do I want to do? So many people, in my opinion, they just spend their time going through the motions. And, and I see it sometimes with staff. I see it with people. They, they don't realize what they want out of life. And it's a pretty incredible opportunity that we all get. Um, you know, figure out what's going to satisfy you or, or where you want to, you know, see yourself to be satisfied. And 
and try and figure it out. I mean, just, just do what you can, because if you're just going through the motions, I mean, what a waste. I mean, really, what, yeah. what, you know, it's just... Yeah, just time's passing you by then. And it doesn't have to even be business. I mean, I've got a good friend who, who he's, he doesn't have any interest in business, but he used to install cabinets for you. He's probably been on some of your jobs, actually. And he, oh. uh, he lives a very nomadic life. He has actually moved out to Colorado, and he... Yep kind of a vagabond and he, he could write a book about it and be very cool, but he's living the life he, he set out to make and it's a very interesting life. And I, I mean, I keep in touch with him just to <laughs> hear his stories and stuff. He yeah. loves his life snowmobiling and stuff. And it can be that kind of life too. That's admirable. I mean, there's yeah. many people who've had cool lives like that and it doesn't have to be, you know, geared towards financial success, but right. figure out what you want to do and, and go get it. Yeah. Cool. I like that. How do, how do we find out more if, uh, you know, um, obviously we could probably Google you. Yeah, And sure. uh, where do we, where else Yeah. <clears throat> so um, business-wise, um, our biggest following is, is Facebook, just the demographic for our customers. Um, Waterworks Woodshop, um, Instagram as well. That's the two that I run. We have other people running other ones. So you'll find us on uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, um, Pinterest, a few other ones there as well too. Um, Waterworks Woodshop, myself personally, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think that's it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you're always, always welcome to give us a call at our shop. I'm, I'm always available. You can give us a call. Any questions anybody has on cabinets, anything, whether you're buying from us or you just have general questions, I want to help people with cabinets as much as I can. Um, I've become obsessed with them over the years and I, you know, I, I want to help people learn about them and understand them. So if you guys have any questions, call our office. We have information up on our website, www.waterworkswoodshop.com. Um, give us a call, you know, look our stuff up. We, we, we're there to help people. We, we want to have people understand what they're purchasing, what they're looking to purchase, whether you purchase them from us or anywhere else, you know, it's a, we're information based. We want people to understand. They want to be educated on cabinets and purchasing cabinets. Yeah. Hey, I use them myself. Uh, they've been awesome to work with. Uh, yeah. Since 2014, I try to remember how long you were yeah, even rolling yeah. on this. Um, you're doing great things, man. We appreciate you, you having you on. Much. We're, we're going to get you back on uh, at some point here and, yeah. and, and uh, hold you accountable. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So, all right. Thank you. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Mark. See you.